Hello, my name is Claire Heffron and welcome to this episode of the Geneva Centre for Security Policy podcast on the latest issues advancing peace, security and international cooperation. Britain has left the EU. What happens now? We'll be discussing the UK post-Brexit with Dr Jamie O'Shea, Professor of Strategic Studies and Associate Fellow with the GCSP's Global Fellowship Initiative and former Deputy Assistant Secretary-General for the Emerging Security Challenges of NATO. And as the volatile political situation in Central Africa creates obstacles in the region, the Democratic Republic of the Congo's women are now key to lasting peace. As we mark International Women's Day on 8th of March, we spoke to women's activist Julianne Lusanja, a Congolese human rights activist who is recognised for advocating for survivors of wartime sexual violence, as well as a former GCSP Executive in Residence Fellow with the Global Fellowship Initiative. Brexit is expected to affect the conditions of European security cooperation. Many questions remain open. What impact would the withdrawal from the EU of a Security Council member nuclear power and leading international donor have on the EU's role as a security actor. Earlier we had the chance to speak to Dr Jamie Shea, Associate Fellow with the GCSP's Global Fellowship Initiative and Professor of Strategic Studies at the University of Exeter in the UK. Firstly, where is Britain at the moment now it has left the EU? The UK is still going through the transition period which lasts a year, so if you're a normal uh, citizen uh, going backwards and forwards between uh, Europe and the UK, although the UK geographically, of course, is still part of Europe. Nothing has changed and won't change until December. At the same time, the real debate is now starting, which is not on how do we leave the uh, EU, that's done, but how do we re-engage with the EU in terms of the future relationship. Uh, Those talks will start in March. Uh, They have to finish by the end of the year, so they're going to be pretty intense. And the real question, of course, is what kind of final Brexit outcome are we going to have? Is it going to be a hard Brexit where the UK turns its back on Europe and tries to find a new relationship with the rest of the world? Or will uh, economic and other sort of interests prevail and that the UK will decide that its interests lie with the closest possible association uh, with Europe in trade, in defence and security. And frankly, the jury is still out on that because it's all going to come out of the negotiations. And as you can imagine, uh, the UK is still very much divided uh, between Remainers uh, and Brexiteers. The Brexiteers, of course, are hoping for a minimal relationship with Brussels, which will leave the UK fully free as they see it to uh, form new relations with the rest of the world. The Remain camp is hoping, again, the economic uh, 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 interests, uh, security interests will prevail, and uh, as the negotiations proceed, there'll be more realism uh, in the UK, and we'll end up with uh, something like Norway or something like Switzerland. Uh, Not membership, but still a very, very close uh, working relationship. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Ask me this question in one year. Britain's withdrawal from the EU raises questions about the future of EU-UK security cooperation. Can you tell us more? 
Well, for the time being, uh, as the UK likes to say, it's leaving the EU, but it's not leaving Europe, and therefore not much is going to change from one day to the next. The UK obviously is still remaining in NATO, which uh, is very popular in the UK. In fact, at a time when NATO's popularity has gone down in a number of countries, including the United States, interestingly, uh, it's gone up in the, uh, in the UK, because clearly it's the only game in town now uh, for UK security. So the UK is doubling down on NATO and has an interest, of course, in keeping the Americans involved in NATO and in maintaining NATO as the most important organisation that it possibly can. The more important NATO is, the more important the UK security role in Europe uh, becomes, the more influence the UK uh, will have. At the same time, the UK is aware that the EU is ramping up its defence efforts uh, because of Brexit, yes, but also because of the doubts about the American commitment. Does President Trump really believe in, you, in defending Europe? Uh, obviously, a great power competition from Russia, China, uh, and uh, in Brussels, on, on the non-NATO side of town, the EU side of town, there's a lot of activity at the moment. A uh, lot of technical jargon, PESCO, European Defence Fund, uh, coordinated annual review of European defence, but it all means pooling and sharing European capabilities more uh, to have a, a more uh, integrated European effort uh, with a defence industrial policy, lots of new acquisition programmes, lots of more money being spent. And so the UK faces a difficult choice. Uh, does it just put all of its eggs in the NATO basket or does it sort of uh, believe that something's going to happen with European defence? And even if the UK is not an EU member any longer, nonetheless, as a, as a very close neighbour, it should somehow or other participate in some of these programs because it may want to join the French in Africa, it may want to join the Italians in Libya, it may want to help out between Greece and Turkey in the Mediterranean um, and because also uh, British defence industry, you know Britain has got a lot of big defence contractors, uh, you know they want a slice of the pie uh, when it comes to the research and development and some of the new capability programmes. So again, ask me that question in a year and we'll see if it's just NATO or if the UK is also interested in some of these European defence efforts as well. The UK talks about resurrecting global Britain, although personally I doubt if we can go back to the British Empire in the 19th century. I think, thank God, and I think the rest of the world will believe that as well, that those days of empire covering 25% of the land surface of the world, those days are, are, are over. Uh, and so Britain will have to carefully pick and choose its partners according to its economic and security interests. Uh, obviously, the United States will be a key partner uh, because the UK traditionally you know, think of Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, has worked closely on everything with the United States. But uh, if the US is now focusing on the Asia-Pacific uh, rather than on Europe, will the UK really see its interests in going along with the US to put all of its aircraft carriers and frigates in Asia? I'm not so certain, particularly when if you look at lots of the contemporary issues like, you know, buying Huawei uh, technology, uh, whether you support the nuclear deal on, on, on Iran, uh, the, the UK is siding more with the Europeans than with the United States. So uh, let's see if it can have a wholly US policy. Of course, there are important you know, Commonwealth countries. One thinks of India, one thinks of Australia, one thinks of New Zealand. And I think the UK obviously will want secure, uh, economic relationships with them. But whether the UK is really prepared to take on uh, a role in their security, uh, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, my own 
own view, for whatever it's worth, is that the global Britain bubble would be burst rather quickly. And we'll recognise that on the core issues, you know, Africa, the Middle East, terrorism, the illegal migration, organised crime, all of these kind of things, uh, you know, we face exactly the same problems as our French neighbours, uh, just 20 miles across the channel. Uh, and uh, even if we're not in the EU, we should be part of the overall European effort to secure the European neighbourhood. Uh, you know, it, it, it's no good going global if your uh, immediate neighbourhood is on fire and if you've got hundreds of illegal immigrants arriving on your shores every day of the week. What key questions were established with today's meeting at the GCSP? I certainly think that they see the UK as still a major actor, which is reassuring in a kind of way, because yes, it is the, you know, the sixth largest economy in the world. It's a member of the UN Security Council. It's a nuclear power. It does have, you know, beyond the EU, we mentioned the Commonwealth, lots of old links, even if maybe they're not as strong as they were in the days of the British Empire, uh, you know, the special relationship with the United States with many other countries of the world. So I think there is a real concern that, you know, the, the Brexit you know, doesn't sort of harm the ability of the UK and, the, and, and Europe to work together productively in, in terms of stability. You think of Africa, you think of the Middle East, you think of the conflict in Ukraine at the moment, you think of dealing with terrorism and all of these kind of things and somehow it's all going to have a happy end or, or a, a softer landing. But I think they're also aware that the UK is sort of moving into a totally unknown destination. And one question that did come up is the impact on the British economy uh, and whether the UK in the future will have the economic base and the finance to sustain all of these great uh, uh, ambitions, but also whether the Europeans... Uh, will be able without the UK and you know the 25% of military capabilities that the UK brings to Europe to really develop uh, their own sort of uh, European Defence Union uh, by themselves. You know, a lot of people said to me, you know, well, you know, the Europeans often blame the UK in the past for lack of progress on European defence because the Brits didn't really support that. But you know, now that the UK is gone. Will they really together have the political will uh, to move forward or was the UK simply a convenient alibi for a, a European defence that they also didn't really believe them in. And so to some degree this is going to be the moment of truth, not just for the UK but for the desire of the Europeans to push to a closer defence union as well. How influential are you when it really matters? Today, the ability to influence really does set you apart. You need to be able to engage, inform, motivate, and mobilize people across cultural and professional boundaries. If you can't, it can be really frustrating for you. It can even become a career barrier. My name is Peter Cunningham, and I'm the course director for Lead and Influence with Impact. Here at the GCSP, we've partnered with the Center for Creative Leadership to develop a unique portfolio of courses and resources for experienced professionals who want to learn how to lead better from across all sectors. During the course, you'll learn new ways of thinking about influence and skills that you can immediately put into practice. You get expert insights, you'll use a great self-assessment tool, you'll get lots of feedback and share experiences with some inspiring fellow participants. You'll leave with new ideas, new connections and new skills and for the first time you'll have access to an executive coach to help you put it all into practice. So remember to register in time to receive your early bird discount and join us here in Geneva for a meaningful and inspiring experience.
Women have suffered the most as a result of conflict in the DRC and the surrounding region. However, their voices are now heard. We talk with Julianne Lassange, who, outraged by the sexual violence against women in her country, established Female Solidarity for Integrated Peace and Development. She's also director of the Congolese Women's Fund, as well as a former GCSP Executive in Residence Fellow with the Global Fellowship Initiative. Firstly, what does Sophie Paddy do? We work to promote and defend uh, women's rights, women's rights, but it's not easy because the war is still going on. And uh, uh, when militia come in the city or the village, they rape again women. Even if they stand up and they're beginning to, to do some activities, when the militia come or FRDC, uh, the Congolese army come in the village to fight the group army, they rape women, they kill people, and it's not easy when uh, we need that uh, community, international community to help to restore peace in the in DRC. We can change really the situation and stop rape in DRC. Another uh, challenge is uh, uh, peace process. We, we agree that uh, international community, UN, accompany DRC to try to, to restore peace, but it's not enough. What are the challenges? Sometimes we don't understand why. Uh, it takes more time. That, uh, that is the very big challenge we have. And we, we, need to, we need support, financial support. I go to the different meeting, the high meeting, high level meeting. Uh, people say we need to support grassroots to change the, the, the situation of women. They have uh, this uh, objective, they say, uh, for 2030. They say we need to support, but they don't change. The, the, the policy, because all governments don't accept to give money to small group in the, the grassroots. They only give to the NGO, international NGO, to do their the job. What's the goals thinking ahead? In my country, people understand that finally it's a business because they, don't, they cannot change our situation really. We are the one who know the causes. We are the one who can change. We have the solution. And we are the one who can speak to the leaders, traditional leaders, to change our situation. But if they don't accept to support this work, we cannot get a solution and be able to attend this objective. I cannot describe what was happening within the, the impact of the in the East Congo on the population. And she's taking care of them, her organization. African women are resilient. If they were not doing, if she was not there, I think you will never heard some young boys and girls being back at school. And this is what, it's a drop in the ocean. But that drop, you know, can be multiplied if we support the women of Africa. Well, that's all for today's podcast for the GCSP. Thanks for listening and thank you to Dr. Jamie Shea for joining us along with Julianne Lassange. 
Join us again next week to hear all the latest insights on international peace and security. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes until then. Bye for now.